Well, yes, like, the, like Chelsea, our on-screen host, said, we are starting a new series this morning called Suggestions for a Successful Summer. Of course, these are suggestions. They're not, uh, you know, things you need to do, of course. And I think the thrust of this series is really coming from the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 5, 15 to 16, when Paul writes, Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Paul really is saying here that, look, don't waste your time. Don't waste time because it's precious. Don't waste your life. It's precious. I read a quote once that said, a man who dares to waste one hour of time has not discovered the value of life. And really, it's easy in the summer, right, to just, you know, cruise, to coast, to just kind of forget everything. Who wants to just forget everything this summer for a little while? Take some time, go to camp, do some fishing. Nobody? You're all just like ready to go still? All right. It's gonna be a long one then apparently. (laughs) But it's easy in the summer to get on coast mode and just kind of do nothing and just relax. And certainly we need to relax. You need to take time to do that as well. But two months of just doing nothing until the kids finally go back to school. No amen for that. Two months of doing nothing until the kids go back to school might be a bit of a waste if we just do nothing. Now, I'm I'm 34 years old. I work as a youth... You be quiet down there. I won't even go there with you. I work as a youth pastor. That's my primary primary role here. Um, And I'm at a very peculiar... I have a hard time saying that word. Peculiar age where there's a large group of people who refer to me as the young fella. You're just a young fella. You've got young kids. You're young. But then the predominant demographic I work with, I'm the old guy. So it's a bit of an identity crisis, really. But I am finding that the older I get, the less likely I am to try new things. I kind of like what I like, and I want to leave it there. So there are people who will ask me sometimes, Derek, do you want to try that new sushi place? And I say, no, that's disgusting. I don't want it. You're weird. I don't want to try sushi. That's gross. I've tried it. I don't like it. But then somebody will say, hey, Derek, there's a new burger joint opened up. Let's go. Get in the cart. Or a new coffee shop. Let's go. I'm there. There was a study done not long ago. Um, and now I forget all the numbers and who did the study even, so you're just going to have to bear with me on Just trust me that I did read it at one point. Uh, There was a study done not long ago that by the time someone is 25 years old, they no longer look for new music to listen to. Who likes to listen to music? Most of us do. But by the time we're 25, we just don't like to look for new music. Not always true. But the older we get, the more often we are resistant to change the more often we're less likely to get new things. We like, you know, the way things were. We like how things were happening. My dad still has a flip phone. It is painful to watch him text somebody. It's hurt, it it hurt, it like sinks, it's just. So as we all get somewhat stuck in our ways of doing things, it's it's not always a bad thing to kind of like what we like, it's okay. Like sushi, it's gross. But routines aren't terrible, they're certainly not sinful by any means. But as we kick off this series examining what our summer will look like and how successful it can be, how open are you to change? How resistant are you to change? 
So we're going to read from the Bible this morning. We're going to be reading from 1 Corinthians 9, 19 to 23. Now this may be a familiar passage for some of you. Is it up on the screen? Is it going to go? There it is. I'm going to read the white. You're going to read the yellow. Why don't we stand? And Paul writes this to the church in Corinth. He says that, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. Outside the law not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I become weak, I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. God, thank you today for your word. Thank you today for speaking to us, and Lord, I pray that you would continue to speak to us as you already have, but that you would continue doing that. Thank you, God. We pray that everyone would leave here changed this morning in some way, not by something that I've said, but by your spirit. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a seat. So there's an old saying that says, when was the last time you did something for the first time? When was the last time you tried something new? When was the last time you stepped out of your comfort zone? When was the last time you checked something off of your bucket list? When was the last time you attempted something that frightened you? Paul writes this part of this letter to the church in the city of Corinth about becoming like someone else in order to win some. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a little confession here on behalf of all Christians. So if you are maybe new to the church, um, I'm going to make a little confession. Okay, are you ready? Just, just say yes so everybody feels welcome. Right, perfect. If you're new to church and you've often felt like, I feel like Christians are always trying to like convert me or something. Let me let the cat out of the bag. It's kind of true. But I don't say that in a, that's because that's what we're supposed to do. I say that in because Paul writes that I may share with them in its blessings. We want people to know who Jesus is. If you don't, you've come to the wrong place. We want people to know who Jesus is that they may share in the blessings of knowing Jesus. Right? We want people to follow Jesus too. Everybody. So yeah, if you're feeling that way, You're not dumb. You've caught on. But becoming like someone else means that you'll have to learn something new. You'll have to try something new in order to become like them. This doesn't mean that we change everything about who we are, but we take on a new attribute or a new wealth of knowledge. We learn new experiences or experience new things and challenges as people, as followers of Jesus, so that we might share in the blessings of other people knowing Jesus too, with as many people as possible, right? Trying new things actually enrich our lives. 
It expands our way of thinking and our worldview. It helps us understand other people, how they think and how they perceive the world around them. And it improves also our existing skills by training us to think differently, and maybe even transferring those skills. Paul's main thrust in this particular passage is that, and N.T. Wright said this about this passage, Christian freedom is not freedom to do what you like, but freedom from all the things that stop you being the person God really wants you to be, which is freedom for the service of God and the gospel. Paul's rights and freedoms are not his point here. He's not saying, I'm just free to do whatever I want, or I'm not free to just become like anybody. What matters to Paul here is that people are coming into contact with the message of Jesus. What Paul wants to see is as many people come to know Christ as possible. And if that means Paul needs to do something different, if that means Paul needs to be a certain way among certain people, I say that with a little trepidation, but be a certain way, that means he'll do it for the sake of more people coming to know who Jesus is. And if that means you or I need to do something different, try something new, be a certain way, we should do it too. Paul won't waste his time. He'll make the most of it by becoming a certain way to certain people, doing something new in the hope that maybe, just maybe, just maybe, somebody encounters Jesus along the way. We're free to serve Christ, becoming who God wants us to be, but in order to get there, we must move into a new sphere of thinking, a new sphere of serving, a new sphere of trying and learning new things, becoming more than just the person that we've always been. In order to become all things to all people, we usually must try something new. And even if, and I say this with a lot of trepidation because I don't want it to be taken the wrong way, even if we must do something that kind of reminds us of our former selves, Paul became like the Jews in order to win the Jews. So what are some things that we can do that could be new to us and help us to become all things to more people? I've just got three general ideas here that I'm going to share with you, and one's already up on the screen. One is to serve, serve somewhere new. Paul Bunyan, who pastored in England in the 1600s, also authored the book The The Pilgrim's Progress, says you have not lived today until you have done something for someone who can never repay you. Serve. Serve as a life-transforming activity. There's something about serving others that no amount of learning, that no amount of hearing about, no, no amount of watching or contemplating could ever replace or substitute actually serving and being somewhere. Galatians 5.13 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. When we serve others, we get a glimpse into their world. I used to help with, uh, when I pastored in the city of Toronto, we used to hold, once a month, we would have a, a homeless dinner down, not a homeless dinner, like, we'd go and serve dinner to, to the homeless community in the community of St. Jamestown, it's called. And getting to know people there, really hearing their stories. I grew up in a small community where homelessness was kind of viewed as, well, they should just get a job. If I had to be real. That's how I felt. But a lot of people getting to know them, a lot of them were new immigrants to Canada, just trying to make their way, and so they lived in subsidized housing. And yeah, an extra meal and just have a few friends sit around and talk to them for for a couple hours meant the world to them. 
And I got to know them and I got to know their worldview and see where they came from and hear and get to know their names and shake their hands. And nothing could substitute that. There were no amount of statistics I could read to make me go, yeah, that was, that's a, yeah, we should help. No, I actually, we got to go and actually serve. And I got a glimpse into who they are. And it transformed my life. We learn about other people's stories and learn about other people's lives when we serve them. But we also serve as a witness of God's love for the world. Do you know that God absolutely loves our world? Like, he doesn't like it how it is. There's a lot of things that God doesn't like. But God is absolutely in love with our world. I love my kids. absolutely adore my children. But man, they do things that drive me up a wall sometimes. And everybody can attest to that. My kids will drive me absolutely crazy, and there's things that they do and things that they learn that I just go, ugh, it makes me angry. But I love my kids, and God feels the same way about us, actually even more so. He loves us, and he's not content to leave us the way we are. And this summer, while you're looking for something new to do, why not look for a new place to serve that's outside of where you normally do? And if you don't somewhere find somewhere to serve, why don't you find one? Find a place to serve. It will transform your life, I can guarantee it. And it'll most likely transform someone else's life too. This summer, why not learn something new? Learn. Proverbs 18:15 says, an intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. I don't care how smart you are, there's still more to learn. Always is. The ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Think about just that line, the wise, they're already wise. What do they need to seek knowledge for? Well, the wise person knows that they don't know much. The ear of the wise seeks more knowledge. You want to be wise? Seek more knowledge. Learning is a life-enriching activity. Have you ever met someone that just, they seem to know everything? It's like they're like a walking Google. You just, you like, hey, I wonder what happened. Like, oh yeah, that. Why do you know that? Why do you even know that? Something about not having to consult Google though, right? I live in a generation where nobody says I don't know anymore. Because we don't have to. I can pull up my phone and I can look up the answer. Like, who won the World Cup in 1948? Google it. I don't even know if there was a World Cup going on then, but. But something about not having to consult something and just knowing the answer, knowing how to do something, something about understanding a particular topic without being tied to a computer or even a book, but just knowing about it. And learn simply out of curiosity. Do you know that modern science was actually birthed out of the curiosity of Christians or at, minimus, at a minimal deists who sought to understand God better by understanding his creation better? It was birthed out of, we want to understand God more, let's study his creation. Let's study what he's done. Charles Darwin, you've probably heard this name before, who was renowned as the father of the theory of evolution, began his work as a Christian eager, eager to study the creation process. His words, not mine. And I read his, one of his quotes at the beginning, a man who dares to waste one hour of time has not discovered the value of life. Life really is a precious thing, isn't it? And why wouldn't we want to make the most out of it by learning something new as often as we can? Seeking to understand rather than just the ability to repeat facts.
And lastly, just try something. Why not try something new, even if it is a little bit selfish, like water skiing or fishing? Why not just try something new? Sometimes our experiences simply make for great stories. Our travels will expand how we think. Our efforts expand what we know about ourselves. And all of it helps us to appreciate just how grand God's creation really is. Try just for a personal accomplishment. There's never a problem with learning a new skill, even if you stink at it. Like, why not try to build that backyard swing set? Try it before you let your kids do. Why not? If it breaks, well, you know, you stink at it. Or maybe you'll learn how to do it better next time. There's never a problem with reading a new book. Even if you get halfway through and you're like, this is garbage, why am I reading this junk? And then throw it out and get a new one. Why not try golfing or skiing or making a fire without matches? I've done two of those. But just go. Don't spend your life wondering what something might be like. Don't spend your time thinking, wow, that would be fun, but... And try new things just as a witness of God's love for us. As a parent, I love watching my kids learn. I love seeing them try new things. Little fact about me, some of you know, I'm a... I don't really know what to call it, I'm a bit of a space nerd. I'm fascinated with outer space. Always have been since I was a little boy. I have a telescope. Did you know Jupiter, you can see Jupiter in the night sky tonight, in the south, and you can see Venus in the west. Don't believe me, just look. But I like to teach my kids about space too. My daughter, Ellery, she's almost five. She has a, a puzzle that's, a, you know, the solar system, minus Pluto. And she, so I taught her all the planets and what they're called, and she thinks it's cool. And one time we were actually at a friend's house, actually I think we were at Pastor Kevin's house, leaving his house, and um, she looked up in the sky and she said, Daddy, there's the moon. And I said, yeah, honey, that's the moon. And she said, Daddy, where's the earth? <laughs> you think that'd be easy to explain. I'm holding her and I said, well, Ellery, like, like that's the earth. She said, no, Daddy, that's the driveway. <laughs> okay, but like the ground, the rock, I don't know how to say this. You'd never, you'd think it'd be the easiest thing to explain. It's so difficult. <coughs> but I love seeing my kids learn new things. I love watching them learn new things. Imagine how God feels when we learn new things. Does God enjoy watching us learn new things? Discover new things, even if it's about his creation? Discover new things in a book? Discover new things in the Bible that we've never read before? Become all things to all men or women. Become more to more people. Who are you becoming? Who might you become by the things you try, the things you learn, or the places you'll serve? As you become more, you become closer with more people. You have the opportunity to share life with more people. You have the opportunity to speak life into more people but that takes stepping out into waters that you've never walked on before. That might mean speaking up when you've never said a word before. That might mean learning something that you've never learned before. 
Imagine the scene of Jesus calling his disciples. Hey, you, follow me. Uh, what? They'd never done that before. But three years later, they were turning the world upside down. Peter is my favorite disciple. He gets a bad rep, but he's my favorite. Because he put his foot in his mouth a lot, I see a lot of myself. Peter did some dumb things. But did you know that Peter was the first to confess Jesus as the Christ? Sitting around and Jesus says, who do they say that I am? Well, some say Moses, some say Elijah, some say one of the prophets. Well, who do you say that I am? Jesus asked them. Peter said, well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. That was new for Peter. When, Peter, or when Jesus sent the disciples out on the boat, basically, I'll catch up with you later. Nighttime comes around and they say, or, and they look out in the water, they see, hey, is that Jesus? No, it's a ghost, and they freak out, and they get scared. Peter stands up and says, hey, if you're Jesus, tell me to come to you. Jesus says, well, come. I'm he, come. Imagine Peter in that moment. Never done that before. But he got out of the boat and walked on the water. And in the book of Acts, he stood up to defend when the Holy Spirit fell and everyone was speaking in tongues and everybody accused them of being drunk. And Peter said, no, 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 no. Peter stuck his foot in his mouth a lot, remember? But Peter stood up and said, no, no. No, the Bible said this would happen. Here's where it says it'll happen, and here's what's happening right now. Peter hadn't done any of those things before. But here he was, not afraid to stick his foot in his mouth again, but doing it because he knew it had to happen. So again, who are you becoming? Are you continuing to develop your character, your skills, your patience, your love for others, your capacity to serve? Are you growing in giving? Or are you content with whatever place you've reached so far in life? Maybe you're content with wherever your life is right now. God himself didn't stay content with everything in this world. He began the world with a covenant with Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, wow, in the Garden of Eden. That didn't work out, so God moved on and made a covenant with Noah. He moved along and made a covenant with Abraham. Then he made a covenant with David and his lineage where we now find ourselves in a covenant with Jesus. God wasn't content. Imagine if God was content to simply leave the world as is. Imagine Adam and Eve messed up and God just said, oh, well, I guess I'm not good at making people in worlds. Nope, he set out to make things right, make things better. God wasn't content to leave it as is. He wasn't content to leave the world as is. And so there really isn't much right that we have, especially if we call ourselves Christians, to be content with where our lives are. I'm certainly glad God wasn't content with that. And I'm certainly glad Jesus came. And yeah, I wanna share that with as many people as possible. Are you committed and determined and relentless in becoming all that God wants you to be? If right here is the only place your faith has ever taken you, here, in church, maybe a life group once in a while and a couple celebrations at the church. If this is the only place your faith has taken you, I don't think you're seeking the life that God really wants for you. I think there's more. 
being in church is important, yeah, but there's way more to being a Christian than that. Because I truly believe that when God's people are dull, boring, we tell the world that God is dull and boring. But when God's people are full of life, we tell the world of our life-giving God. Your life was meant to make an impact in the world. Don't waste it. Look for opportunities to make a difference. One of my favorite bands has a song that ends with these lines. It says, what in the world are we waiting for? There's no bliss in ignorance, thinking that less is more. What in the world are we waiting for? Opportunity knocks, it's kicking down your door. This is a call to the human race. Will you make a difference, or will you just fill a grave? So I ask again, who are you becoming? Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you that, God, you, didn't, you weren't content with just leaving us where we are. You weren't content with leaving the world as is, and you're not content with leaving us as is. But as we get closer to you and as we draw closer to you, Lord, you continue to change us. You continue to mold us and to make us into the men and the women that you want us to be. So God, help us to not be content either. Help us to want to try and to learn and to grow. And all the while, of course, grow closer to you. And of course, draw others closer to you. So thank you, Lord. I pray that you would be with us and go with us. We thank you for today. And God, I just ask that you would move in all of our hearts and all of our minds. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.